Welcome to another episode of Before You Kill Yourself with your host, Leo Flowers. I am Leo Flowers. Today is October 6th. Uh, what? October? Yeah, October 6th, Tuesday. How are you? I hope that you are breathing well. Let's take a, let's take a big exhale. Ah, yeah, feel your feet on the floor. Take in your surroundings right now. What do you see? I see a a microwave with 6.39 p.m. on it and a tea kettle with some uh, warm water because we had it on a few hours ago. We have all the burners are covered with different pots. I have a, a book, a white book with silver letters. It says Wild Plate. That's the title of it, written by a good friend of mine, Laurel Anderson. It's a raw vegan cookbook. We also have a, I'm noticing, <laughs> we have a wine holder on our on our table as it can hold three bottles of wine. There's two bottles in there. We don't even drink wine. I, I mean, in the uh, Michelle and I, I just realized Michelle and I are coming up on two years this month. I think I'm about to check the calendar. And on our first date, we said we'd never drink alcohol again. And we haven't, except one time with Snoop Dogg. Snoop Dogg has a wine. And I was like, I got to try the Snoop D-O-double-G's wine. I'm not going to comment because my mom said, if you don't have anything nice to say, don't say anything at all. But uh, I know people who love it. So, but that's not what I want to talk to you today about. I want to talk to you about remembering. Yes, remembering. You always hear people, never forget to always remember. You hear that usually in uh, relationship to genocides or 9-11 um, different catastrophes of our history however I want to talk to you about using remembrance or remembering things to improve your sleep to manage boredom and to manage grief so sleep grief and boredom um, and this is important because one we know that if we don't sleep well, we don't do well. We don't think well. We don't feel well. I, I know that my knees and my back I feel achy because my body has been unable to recover from the day before, for, you know, whatever the workout was or whatever I ate. It's all about resting and digesting. But if we can't rest, we can't digest. And then our, we just wake up the next day kind of groggy in a, in a brain fog. That's no bueno. And, and when we're in that brain fog, then I know I'm a bit moodier, a bit maybe more anxious. And I also have like more carb cravings. And if you have enough of those days where you're not getting quality sleep, deeps that deep REM, those REMs, we know that um, our thoughts can become depressive, sad, melancholia can set in. And even suicidal. So 
we definitely want to address sleep. And with boredom, we know that when we're bored, that's when we typically get involved in things that do not serve us, right? Whether it's drugs, alcohol, food, sex, you know, with the just gratuitous, uh, you know, out there in the streets, giving it away kind of thing. Uh, we just become a bit more reckless or risk-taking when we're bored. Um, and with grief, um, you know, that, that leaves us very vulnerable, especially if, uh, if it's someone close to us that we've lost or if we lose someone close to us and we lost our job, uh, you know, grieving is uh, something that a lot of cultures don't do well, especially in America. They, I think they do it well in New Orleans. New Orleans, they, they grieve well. They party out in the streets with the parades and, and everything. And it's like a week-long affair. Uh, my family, you know, my mom is from Belize. And we, we throw a little, it's called like the repass. It's after the funeral, and it's like a little party, a little get-together that, uh, that we do to celebrate our daily departed. So everybody grieves differently. I remember when my dad passed away, it took me a year, two years, before I cried. And I when I, oh, oh, when I cried, wow. First, I thought I was... Um, thought I was like uh, cold-blooded or like I had no feeling and and but I tell you what I saw the movie walk the line and something in that movie just brought all the tears out of Leo Flowers I was dehydrated uh this would be a quick episode I'll say quick I never know how long these things are going to take but um it won't be the typical like 45 to one hour kind of thing anyway let's get into it I'm glad you're here I'm glad you're still alive. I'm glad you're breathing well. Um, so let's start off with sleep because I know that you want to get to sleep. <laughs> I know that some of you listen to this in bed and I appreciate that. Or as you're getting ready to go to bed, some of you listen to it on the way to work or during your lunch break. So I, I, one, I really thank you for tuning in. Uh, our downloads have multiplied. Um, in the past, like four to six weeks, just a number of downloads and more countries are, are more people in more countries are, are tuning in. So it's beautiful. And, and it's also, like I said, it's a reminder that what you're going through, whatever you're going through, no matter how, um, specific it is and, and how much it feels like it's only happening to you, that it's part of the human experience and it doesn't mean that every human is going through exactly what you're going through I, I would never want to diminish your experiences but what I'm saying is the general themes of loss pain hurt suffering joy triumph tragedy love hate anger all these things um part of the human experience and that's what movies and books and and media and just hearing other people's stories remind us of um you know i, I was I, somebody had mentioned to me that hope 
H-O-P-E stands for hearing other people's stories. And that's the power of going to a group. So if you're looking for hope, just pick up a book, watch a movie, listen to a song of someone who, uh, you know, tune into the podcast or someone who's going through what you're going through, uh, uh, hearing other people's stories. All right, let's get into sleep. Um, sleep uh, or remembering helps us sleep by a lot of times you'll hear people say, you know, count sheep or, you know, think about your day and thinking about your day and remembering your day are two different things. Uh, I don't think about your day. Remember your day. When you're thinking about your day, usually we're thinking about that thing that someone said or did that really bothered us that really annoys us, taking us off, got under our skin, um, that really upset us and maybe even confused us. It jammed our system, right? And so we're obsessing over that, those 10 seconds or five minutes or however maybe an argument we got into, and, and we just make that our whole day. So that's all we think about. What I want you to do is remember your day. And that means every detail from the time you wake up to the the food that you ate, to that shower that you took, to the breakfast that you had, to the, you know, deciding what clothes to put on, uh, the drive or walk to ride to work, who you saw, what you heard you know, um, what you had for lunch, the meetings you were involved in, the customers that you, or the coworkers that you interacted with, what were they wearing? Was somebody wearing a strong uh, perfume? Was someone chewing loudly? Uh, did everybody greet you? Did some people hug you, shake your hand, um, mention your name? Did just somebody compliment you? You know, all these details. Uh, it's almost like you, you're taking a bird's eye view. It's like, you know, I watch these detective shows and they, they're like, rewind the tape. So you want to go through your day like that. Like it's just an objective accounting of your day. And that's soothing, no matter what kind of day it was. Because when we zoom in on the details of our day, then the, the day that that moment that we were thinking about doesn't seem so overwhelming, right? So even if you got into an argument with somebody, uh, say during breakfast, but but then when you uh, remember the moment, you might remember uh, that there was a garbage truck that went by, right? You're like, oh yeah, there was a beep, 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 beep going by. Um, and maybe you heard a, a dog barking during the argument or the faucet was was dripping like oh yeah there was the faucet dripping all these things start to dissipate um and lessen maybe the food you ate was was cold or just uh you noticed it didn't it was more than what you thought it was less than what you thought it was going to be or it needed more salt you know all these things add to the moment or maybe you notice even in a person you were talking to, um, you know, they, that they're wearing a color that they typically don't wear 
or, um, you know, whatever it is. There's so many details that took place in the moment that we were thinking about that if we go back and, and remember it all, um, it, it, it just lessens it or it could, and it could heighten other emotions, but ones that are more nurturing and savory and that would tuck us into bed. So remember, we want to remember our day, not just think about a moment. The thinking about a moment is where the obsession comes in and then uh, it's no bueno, right? So you can even think about or remember, you know, what what the, before the moments leading up to it and after and just playing out your whole day up to the time you took a shower and put on your cozy socks and maybe you lit some candles or, or put on some jazz or watched a funny YouTube video. Remember your day. And if the day was, you just like, uh, Leo, I'm not going to, I do not want to remember today at all. The whole day was not, no. Um, you can always, <clears throat> well, a beautiful thing is, after you've remembered the day, exactly how it was or exactly how you remember it, then we can go back and remember the day and make tweaks, make a few changes. We can, we can edit the footage a little bit, right? Now, instead of, um, you know, that, that little argument that you had, you both embraced each other and held each other for a little bit or discover that the person made you uh, uh, breakfast, your favorite breakfast, or they, they brought you breakfast in bed, or maybe your boss, instead of being upset o about something, gave you a raise. Um, and maybe traffic was, was smooth this morning. There was almost no one on the road and you got your favorite parking spot, right? Um, Maybe you won the maybe you won the lottery. Not not like twenty trillion dollars, but maybe you won like a hundred dollars. Maybe you found a hundred dollars. So we can edit, we can we can doctor up the footage a little bit. You know, we can put a few filters on our day, but that's only after we've remembered the day as it was. And in the beginning, this will be a very laborious exercise this would be tough but after weeks months years of doing it not only will you find that your memory will improve about things you saw tasted felt smelled heard throughout your day or even sensed you know, like you'll start to remember feelings in a moment um while you're in the moment, while you're in the day, you'll start to notice and uh, and pick up on things that are that are happening as it's happening. You'll start to really pay attention to someone's eye color and their movement and what you hear and what you feel and, and what you see. And then food, even with food, you'll you'll find yourself just becoming more mindful as you go through your day because uh, it releases dopamine. Remembering our day releases, not so much that you're, you know, you're jumping out of bed, running around, having fun, but uh, enough to soothe us, kind of like, you know, a parent reading a bedtime story and 
stroking your hair, your back. Just enough to soothe us and, and tuck us in at night. So remember, it takes practice and and don't ex- like I said, don't expect um, huge miracles. The the first couple nights or the first even couple weeks, it might even take months depending on um, your memory. Everyone's memory is different, but give it time and wait till you get in bed. One of the things that I do, the way that I practice this, is I voice memo record my day at the end of each day. But I do it in a gratitude form. I'm like, God, I just want to, you know, just I'm so grateful for, and I pick five things. And what happens usually is I end up extending the list. and But I focus on the the events of the day and I keep it to that and it's really cool because it's by the end of the day I realized there's so many things I've forgotten about my day like I was even before this before I was preparing for the podcast I was like what did I eat you know and then I was like oh I had a protein shake at eight I had eggs and salmon at uh I think 10 I still don't remember what time I had eggs and salmon it's either 10 or noon then I had uh, sea bass and cauliflower for dinner just now. And I was like, wow, that's all you ate? I feel like I ate more. Cause I'm not, but also drank a tea with some MCT oil in it and drank water. But I'm like, wow, that's all we ate? Okay. So remembering helps us to go to sleep and then also remember that you can then replay the tape and doctor it up. So let's talk about how to use remembering for boredom. And I want to read you something from Albert Camus' The Stranger. Now, a lot, some of you, I say, I was about to say a lot of you, but I don't know. Um, let me see here. Albert Camus has some of my favorite Quotes, uh, Camus, quotes, typing it in now. Uh, here are some of them. Here, I'll give you two. Um, in the depth of winter, I finally learned that within me there lay an invincible summer. I love that, an invincible summer. In the, in the depth of winter, I find, and my buddy, doctor, he just became a doctor, Dr. Uh, Mike Michael uh, just became a doctor and he's the one who introduced me to that quote and a uh, uh, shout out to him and then um, Albert Camus also said the only way to deal with an unfree world is to become so absolutely free that your very existence is an act of rebellion I love that I love that so he has a bunch of quotes and anyway I bring him up because uh, he wrote this book called The Stranger, which was recommended to me from uh, these old these old guys. There's two old guys who own a bookstore. It's like one of those old, old, used, dusty bookstores, you know, where you just like you just got to they know where everything is, but it makes no sense to you. So you have to, you know, you're just rummaging through. And there's a character in The Stranger who is sent to jail. And it doesn't matter why or what he did, but a young kid and 
he talks to, and I want to, I want to read to you one paragraph about his experience and because he, he talks about boredom. Okay. He said, apart from these annoyances, um, I wasn't too unhappy. Once again, the main problem was killing time. Eventually, once I learned how to remember things, I wasn't bored at all. Sometimes I would get to thinking about my room, and in my imagination, I would start at one corner and circle the room, mentally noting everything there was on the way. At first, it didn't take long, but every time I started over, it took a little longer. I would remember every piece of furniture, and on every piece of furniture, every object, and of every object, all the details, and of the details themselves, a flake, a crack, or a chipped edge, the color and the texture. At the same time, I would try not to lose the thread of my inventory to make a complete list so that after a few weeks, I could spend hours just enumerating the things that were in my room. And the more I thought about it, the more I dug out of my memory things I had overlooked or forgotten. I realized then that a man who had lived only one day could easily live for a 100 years in prison. He would have had enough memories to keep him from being bored. In a way, it was an advantage. And I, I, uh, and I love it because even in prison, you know, with his limited stimulation, he found a way to, to engage. And, and that's really what, it's part of what boredom is, right? That we're not engaged. A lot of times we'll find something that's easy. Like I remember in college, I took classes that were easy. And as a result of it being easy, I wasn't engaged. I wasn't excited. And but and so when we are uh when something is easy, here's what I found: when something is easy, it becomes exhausting. Because you stack enough easy things on top of, the, of each other and it becomes overwhelming. It becomes exhausting. But when we're engaged, it becomes exciting. When you're engaged in a book that you're reading, right? At some point, oh my God, now you can't put it down. Where we're engaged in, uh, you know, maybe a Netflix uh, show or, or movie. When we're engaged in the work that we're doing, like when I'm cooking, and then I'm really getting in a flow. Oh, like, uh, like uh, now it's exciting because I'm starting to see the fruits of my labor. I'm starting to see the bread rise. I'm starting to smell, you know, all the, the cinnamon and the cardamom and the cloves coming from the oven. Um, when we're engaged in a conversation now, be, because we're becoming more vulnerable and intimate and sharing uh, more details, Oh my God, now the conversation is exciting. It's not boring because we're really, you know, sharing of ourselves and we're laying it out there. We're not like, uh, you know, kind of talking, saying yes, no, and, and looking at our cell phones. Like we're locked in, the cell phones are in a car, right? So easy is exhausting, engaging is exciting. So look for areas of your life where you can engage and remembering things remembering experiences is a way of engaging your brain and your mind right and then after a while we start to realize that wow that experience was more exciting than i gave it credit for 
when we when we start to remember the details of that dinner or of the meeting or of the day or of the the meal you go whoa that that person was more exciting than i thought as i remember our conversation my overall impression was that it was a bore it was awful i i had this this is an experience that i have after i get off stage sometimes sometimes i get off stage and i go that's that was awful that sucked i didn't i, I got nothing out of that that was a waste of time but then as i start to remember and i really get into the weeds and go through all the the materials and what i said and the audience response i find these nuggets that excite me and i go whoa well oh i gotta do this again so it's only after we engage our mind our memory that we find that sometimes the excitement is right there on top it's right there for us sometimes we got to dig a little it's like gold mining So we can choose to do what's easy and walk around like zombies or we can engage and and mine for some excitement. Ooh, I like excitement, right? So, and this is why also classical music is, is loved by so many people because of the, the complexity of the, the instruments and the sounds um, and the notes it's hard to remember, you know, some songs, the, the beat, the melody, the lyrics, easy to remember. So it's, you know, there was a song, it's Friday, Friday. It caught on really quickly and then just disappeared. I think that song Friday lasted about the length of Friday because it had a very easily digestible and repeatable hook. I think that was a whole song. It's Friday, Friday. I think that was a whole song. And it came and went. Mozart, still here. Beethoven, still here. The classics, jazz, Coltrane, Miles Davis, Thelonious Monk, all still here. Willie Nelson. <laughs> I mean, if when we're engaged, when it's complex, right, it, it stays with us. When you take time to cook your meal, prepare it to go out, get the ingredients. But even if you go back and you hunt it, if you hunt and then prepare it and and then grill it and cook it and serve it and share it with others, oh, that's. So when we are experiencing boredom, that's a time when we can put our brain to work because boredom is it, it, it can feel like a threat to our sense of agency, right? Sense of agency, meaning that uh, a sense that our goals and actions uh, flow from desires within us, desires that we have created, that, that we are effective and have an influence on the world, right? So uh, when we, when we look at somebody who's doing a lot of things, it seems like they're very busy and, and productive. It, it has nothing to do with the amount of work you're doing. It has to do with your sense of the work that you're doing. Do you feel like 
that you that your goals and actions are flowing from inside you or that they're being imposed upon you. If you feel like you don't have any agency, that's going to quickly lead to boredom. But if you if you if you know there's one cashier, you know, when I go to grocery stores, there's some cashiers who are just completely engaged and they're alert and they're having fun and you, you could tell they really enjoy uh, what they're doing and where they are. And then there are others who are just like, I can't get me out of here. Give me my paycheck. Get me out of here. Right. So because they're coming from they have two different internal references or maybe one's getting paid 10 times more. I don't know. Um, so remembering the things, remembering our environment. Last one is uh, um, talking about grief. Now, they when we talk about grief, we talk specifically about loss when we lose someone. Usually we're talking about, you know, you have the seven stages of, of grief or the six stages of grief. And I just want to break it down into two parts. The first part is remembering. The second part is nostalgia. And we're going to leave nostalgia off the table for now. Okay, uh, we're just going to talk about the remembering part. Remember the the funeral. Remember the wake, the burial. Um, sometimes a person was really sick, and you maybe you had a few days with them at the hospital. So when I say remember the funeral, the wake, the burial, the time spent with them at the hospital or right before they died or passed, I'm talking about from a sensory perspective. What were the sights, the sounds, the smells? Would you feel? Would you hear? Right? Because what you heard in the hospital with all the different dings and pings and eh and ee and the different machinery, the doors opening and closing, the sounds of the nurses, the footsteps, the clanking of things, the the IV bag being shaken or, or dislodged. Maybe the gurgles. I remember when I was in the hospital, you could hear the people uh, on both sides of me. I was in there, I think, for the, I had some chest pain years ago. So you have you have the sounds, and then you have the 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 feel. Like was the hospital cold? Was it cool? Was it cold? Was it warm? Did it feel uh, inviting, or did it feel like there was no care? Like it was dead inside, or did it feel like a place where you're like, oh, I could I could definitely well here like I feel like I'm in good hands or did you feel like a number or did you feel like they were you know what was your your, your feel uh, the, the temperature of items how the chairs feel sometimes in a waiting room you know there might be cloth chairs or leather chairs or would you smell did it smell clean like disinfectant or did it smell like fecal matter or was there a neutral smell? 
you know, that that's depending on what part of the hospital you're in. How did the room smell versus the waiting room versus the lobby? Maybe in the parking garage. What did you taste? What did you taste at, at, at the hospital? What did you taste at the wake? Was there food there? No food, maybe? Were you chewing gum? What did you taste at the funeral? The burial. What did you see? You know, in a hospital, it's usually all white and neutral. At the burial, there's a lot of colors from the flowers to the birds to the grass to the tombstone to what people are wearing. Usually people wearing all black. Did somebody show up in red or white or shorts? Somebody dressed a little too sexy or too conservative? Did a cell phone go off during the during the uh, the eulogy? There's so many things to remember. How did how did people around you feel? Some people hugged you. Some people shook your hand. Some people gave you a pat on the back. How did those feel? Some handshakes were strong. Some were feeble. Some were weak. Some may have been suggestive. How did the clothes feel from the hospital to the wake to the funeral to the burial? So many details to remember around one given event. And the more we can take in those sensory experiences, the more we can manage our grief, the more effectively we can manage our grief. And this is not about suppressing grief. This is about really feeling it and being aware of it and and getting a 360 perspective on it. Because what the practice allows us to do then is to better have a 360 view of ourselves and our experiences. So then when we're sad or we're upset or excited and enthralled, we, we, we can zoom out a little and be like, oh yeah, here are the contributing factors. You know, I had a, for me, I had a little bit of extra energy today, I noticed, in, in some of my meetings. And I was like, oh, yeah, I put a little green tea matcha in my morning smoothie. A little, a little powder green tea. Gave me a little kick. 
it might also be why I'm recording this podcast. <laughs> uh, but use remembrance as a way to cope with sleep, boredom, and grief. And, and I hope this was uh, beneficial for you. Um, right now, uh, the side note, uh, what I'm looking forward to is I have a show Thursday, so I'm looking forward to uh, doing it, performing an hour. And why I'm looking forward to it is um, I've been working with a life coach. And as you know, I also life coach. Um, and I'm a firm believer in that uh, you should practice what you preach, not in a sense of, of like doing what I'm, you know, saying, you know, what I'm encouraging other people to do, but also in the fact that if, if I believe in coaching as an effective way of assisting people and helping people and, and, and helping people get through their uh, manage their traumas and, and find meaning and purpose and, and ground themselves and helping them to thrive, then I too should have the same services. And I had a friend recommend this life coach and he's been um, so insightful. I have a therapist also and they work differently. What I, what I love about my therapist is that she lets me basically talk myself to death. Like it's such a safe place for me to share and I feel unjudged and I really feel heard and seen. And what I love about my life coach is that he interrupts sometimes, <laughs> but he interrupts because he's 10 steps ahead of where I'm trying to go. So at first I was offended. I was like, hey, hold on. I'm not done. I like let you know, I want the same experience I had with my my therapist. Um, but I find that what he's chiming in with, uh chiming in sounds diminishing. Uh what he's gifting me with is valuable and insightful and exactly what I wanted to get to. And um so I, and the whole reason of having a therapist and a life coach also is, is that I know that they're, I wanted two complimentary people. I didn't want, I didn't want my life coach to do the same thing my therapist was doing like that. That wouldn't be, I wouldn't feel like that was effective for me. Um, but, and I also have a sponsor. So w my point is when I'm talking and sharing with you all about having a team and doing the work, um, it, it's something that. I take very seriously, you know, and I, I also recognize that I have the, I have, it's a privileged thing to be able to afford um, the services that I have and not only just the money part, but the time part. So I recognize that. However, I also recognize that I didn't get them all at the same time. I slowly incorporated, uh, I slowly built my team. I didn't build my team in a season. I've been building my team over years and I'm still not done. There's still um, uh, pieces of the puzzle I want to put in place and, and teammates I want to recruit. 
and and it's exciting because it's keeping me engaged you know so between my sponsor my life coach my therapist my uh, SCAA group my onda group uh, who, who else is there my girlfriend my my girlfriend you know the first time Michelle and I met um she promised me I would never be bored and she has delivered on that promise in spades and it took a little of me getting out of my way and, and, and letting her have some influence, some agency over my life. Right. Um, but she has delivered, delivered. All right. Now it sounds like I'm trying to say something. All right. Anyway, I appreciate you tuning in. Go to thrivewithleo.com for one-on-one coaching with yours. Truly let's get to, Oh, but my, <laughs> hold on. So I, I brought up my coach because um, the, the insights that he's given me into my stand-up, if you hear any crinkling in the background, Michelle is in her plantains. That's her snack right there. Um, but he's given me some insight into my comedy, into my creativity that I'm excited to put to use on Thursday. And actually, I'm going to try to do a show tonight. Um, Michelle's just finding this out just now. She's looking at me. She went, oh, because she she wants to watch Dave Chappelle's uh, new special, The Closing. Anyway, but so I'm excited. I'm looking forward to that. So take some time after you've remembered your day, after you remembered moments, um, experiences, to also know what you're looking forward to. So uh, also, last thing, I promise, or I have two things. Um, I appreciate the emails. I'm receiving so many more emails from you. Uh, people asking questions uh, about mental health related topics and, um, you know, just uh, making, uh, you know, leaving comments about the podcast. I really appreciate all that. I think you can email me at leo at leoflowers.com. I'm looking at Michelle to see. That's it. Leo at leoflowers.com. Uh, if you want to, message me directly email me directly um, with your comments about the podcast and also please leave the, a comment on itunes you know rate it five stars share it with your friends that really helps to boost engagements uh oh there we go there's that word again and it makes it exciting for us to to see the podcast grow to see our our family grow our tribe grow um and go to thrivewithleo.com for one-on-one coaching with yours truly let's get to tomorrow together